Hello? Hey. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you uh, hear me? Yeah. Are you ready to do this? Let's do this, baby. It's the night of the Oscars. <laughs> Which I care nothing about. <laughs> well, two of our uh, co-hosts did. Well, I say whatever you like, you go like it and be yourself, but that's I used just to, not my thing. I used to like it when I was a kid. I don't know why, but I did. I did, too. I, as a kid, I would watch all the award shows, and I would root for whatever movie I'd yeah, seen Yeah, the, 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 the one movie you watched that was nominated. <laughs> Everything else was like, what is that? <laughs> a lot of times, especially I remember the year Amadeus won, and I was like, what? What is yeah. that? Where's Temple of Doom? Why didn't that win? Oh, I didn't. Yeah. This year, I'm curious because I want the Joker to sweep, but... I, I still haven't win. seen the Joker, I, I but I'm rooting to, for it. I don't know if you would like it. It depends on, like... It's more of a psychological movie, but... I may not like that, then. I, it I turns from a psychological movie into, like... Uh, what could be the Joker? So yeah, it's. If you like Taxi Driver, you might like it. <laughs> well, I'll be honest and say that Taxi Driver was not my thing. That's one of those things where everybody tells you what a classic it is, and after I watched it, I was like, eh, not, not really my thing. I didn't. I did not watch it until like. I don't know, six years ago, and I, I loved it. I was like, holy moly. It was eye-opening. I think I might have messed up and bought that on VHS because I think it was Columbia House. One of the one of the record clubs that I was a member of expanded oh, you, you, in, in the, the VHS movies. movies. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm going to get some of these movies that everybody always says is wonderful and the greatest thing ever to put to film. and It's like uh, almost... 10 movies for a penny or something like that. And then you have to buy like five at regular price or something. Yeah, that was that didn't work out to be such a great deal. but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because the regular price was really high. It was yeah. like $35 a cassette or something like that. Yeah, I think I bought uh, Taxi Driver and Deliverance were the two that I bought that everybody was like, oh, these are classics. And both of those, I was like, Eh. <laughs> eh. <laughs> I just I saw up... Deliverance like last year. I might like it better now. I think I was 16. Yeah. And I, I was, that just wasn't my thing. I was into, like you know, Indiana Jones. Uh, Die Hard came out that time, around the time I watched it. Yeah. Like, now that's my kind of movie. The popcorn movie. Right. Keep it wonder what, I wonder. Me. I wonder what you think of uh, 1917. Well, now the previews for that had me excited. I really wanted to see that one. Yeah. But, you know, I may end up going well, but it definitely looks. It's not. Fantastic. It's not. It's not as action packed as you'd think. I mean, what makes it, I think, a special movie is it's all continuous footage. So, like, the movie is real time. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So it's like. If it took place, it's a two-hour movie, so it takes place in two hours, like right. for for these soldiers. Well, my wife was actually interested in watching that one, and most of the war movies that I want to see, she's like, "You're watching that one alone." Ever well, since we went to see Saving Private Ryan on a date, 
you know, whatever year that was, like 98 or something. Yeah. He's like, oh, no, I'm, I'm not going to watch a war movie with you again. <laughs> <clears throat> I liked Midway more because it just was more of that popcorn movie. I have not seen Midway either. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. I saw it twice already. I have not seen but that one's not going to be nominated at all. Well, why didn't they nominate that one? Don't they love the war movies? <laughs> well, they like 1917. But it's kind of a pretentious type film because of what they did. It doesn't like cut. The film doesn't like cut to another scene at all. It's all continuous. Well, I think 1917, Joker... Not, yeah, and... I'll be happy with... I've only seen three of them. 1917, Joker, and Once Upon a Time in uh, Hollywood. And that was the the Charles Manson sort of film. I was really interested in that one, too. I've heard great things about it. I wanted to see well, that one. You know what makes that special? Jojo is... Rabbit. Have you seen Jojo yeah, Rabbit? Yeah, no, I, I do want... I've heard really good things about Jojo Rabbit, but I haven't seen it. I want to, but my wife won't take me to the movies. Well, maybe you got to pick something else that she's interested in. Then you go no, to the it's movies. Just, it's just hard for us to get away. We don't really have a regular babysitter, and my uh. children are are terrible and my so <laughs> we can't really trust them my my oldest is old enough to be left alone he's not responsible enough to be left alone ah. so we 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 worry about them when you know he, even if you were just running up to the curb store because he's yeah. he's tried to do things like he we've got a gas stove and he was trying to just turn it on and he turned on the gas but he didn't hit the igniter so then the gas is just blowing out, and he's like, what's that smell? I'm like, turn it off! <laughs> We're all going to die. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. Please don't blow up your daddy. That's a lot of comics. A lot of... Uh, <laughs> I know. When you collect paper, kin- you definitely fear right? fire and water. <laughs> yeah. So they're... they're our, part, our co-host, Joe, and... And Rob are uh, watching the Academy Awards with uh, with their families, and we're gonna hold the fort like it's the Alamo. We've got this. Yeah, I'll, you can be Davy Crockett, and I'll be Jim Bowie. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, hold up the Alamo here, and we'll we'll dedicate all the scalp hunter issues that we cover to Joe. That's right. So I thought the first thing we could talk about briefly is uh, your uh, DC Goes to War hardcover. I am so excited about that. Yeah, I just don't... I'm still skeptic of whether they're going to cancel it or not. Well, Because I know, point... I, I know what the game is. I know what the game is. The game is AT&T's watching. And if they don't get enough pre-orders... They're going to cancel it. And then they're just, just historically right now, a lot of my friends are like, I ain't going to pre-order it because they hold my money up and they cancel it. And then I, I could be spending it. So they're in like a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. So right. I'm I can gonna understand or- that. I'm going to order five. 
I'm going to order one for me and then four to sell. But I'm kind of bummed out that it's two at 50% off and then additional copies at 40, but that's, that's good enough. 40 is still a good discount. I'm going to, I'm going to do an experiment and sell one after one year, uh, another one after two years, one after five, and then one after 10. I'd be really curious how that turns out, yeah. especially with the way, because a lot of these prices on these trade paperback collections go insane after yeah. the book goes out of print. And even if I get cover, for the most part, I'm at least making 40%. Right. Because, uh, I mean, on one case it would be 50%, but the others it would be 40 So even if it's sold for cover price, I would still be breaking breaking out good. Especially if you get it for twenty bucks and sell it for forty, right? That's right. Well, I think it's just an interesting experiment, no matter what. Even if you don't make money, although it'd be awesome if you did. But I, I just would be curious as to how the the long term interest in something like that is. I mean, I know collectors like you and I will be there all about it, but yeah, well, we're already, we're already going to have it. But I, it, it's the people that don't pre order that are interested in war comics, I think. Cause... Well, the trick with books like that, I think a lot of these collectors that love this stuff have left the new comic market. They don't know this is even coming out. Yeah. So, uh, this collects uh, Sergeant Rock Special Number 2, which is the 50th anniversary of the Battle of the Bulge, but uh, I don't, I'm not quite sure why they chose that. Other than the big names that are contributed to it, plus the Dan Brereton cover, <laughs> you I got Chuck Chuck Dixon, Eduardo uh, Barreto, uh, Howard Chaikin, Russ Heath, and uh, Graham Nolan. And then they have Enemy Ace, War in Heaven. I think that was like a two-issue prestige. It was. Showcase fifty-seven. Do you know what that was? 57, I think that was one of the first Enemy Ace issues. Probably. Let's see, Showcase 57. Uh, It is an Enemy Ace issue. I don't know if it's the first, but it is. It's maybe the first showcase of him. Yeah, I think he had two issues in Showcase, and then he took over... Star I, have, I, have 50, I have 58. I don't have 57. Is I that the it. one? Is it a mostly black cover? Yes. I'm trying to picture it in my mind. Now, see, if, those I think are 57 excellent choices is a, for a black I'm cover. surprised at the more modern The choices. Joe Kubert. Yeah, I'm surprised at the more modern ones I, I am, especially the Sergeant Rock. Uh, I think that's because of marketing and, and who's on it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it probably is. It's just an interesting choice. Usually when we do get these collections, they're, you know, the much older material. Our so Army they, at War 67. Is that first Sergeant Rock? 67? That would have been pre-Sergeant Rock. Let's see, 67. I think that would be like one of the prototype issues, probably. Oh, not even. 
I don't know. It's a really cool cover. It has a a soldier behind a rock fighting a a Japanese tank, which you don't see too often. No, they they didn't do a lot of the Japanese fighting. That's an interesting tank. I I never really paid attention to much. I thought I thought Japan was superior in naval and airplanes. I didn't know they had good ground forces. Well, from what I understand, their their fighters were ferocious, and that was. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's they fought to the death. That's for sure. Right. That's that's one of the things they stressed in Midway, is they they would see an American like coming at the plane, and they would like they don't they don't have like we do you know what i mean like they're not gonna kill themselves for if they can save themselves whereas a a kamikaze man they would just take their plane right into the aircraft carrier if they can or battleship wouldn't think twice yeah that takes a whole different kind of mindset i mean i understand you know trying to take out your enemy but Taking out your enemy with your life is next yeah. level. So 67 has uh, Francis Edward Heron. I, I never heard that name before. And uh, Robert Kaniger, who we, we always hear. And then Art is uh, John Severin. Uh, we talked about him fairly recently with the Charlton stuff. Uh, Ross Andro, uh, Mort Drucker, and Kurt, uh, Joe Kubert. Ooh, Mort Drucker drew some wonderful war comic art. He didn't do a lot of it, but what he did is just gorgeous. He's mostly known for working on Mad Magazine, but his war comics art is just amazing. Yeah. 233. 233 is a Sergeant Rock story. It's not his first. 233. I wonder if that's the one that was got made the cover of the New York Times. There was one in that era, and I don't remember what issue, but it made the cover of the New York Times. 233 has uh, Sergeant Rock. Some guy has a gun towards civilians, and uh, he's saying, I stopped the enemy, Rock, and he says, but there were civilians, and he said, none of them got away. I think that's the one. I think uh, Robert Kaniger wrote it based on something real that happened in Vietnam. It made it made the cover of the New York Times about realism and comics at the time, which was a huge deal because this was like early 70s, I think. Yeah, 71. Uh, Kaniger, Sam Glasman on writing and uh, Joe Kubert and Glasman on art. So that that's a Sergeant Rock tale. Uh, Let's see what the other one is. Two thirty five. 235. That one's interesting because I have it listed as a reprint of Our Army at War 52, uh, USS Stevens story, and a Sergeant Rock story, and Captain Storm. So I don't know what what they're going to be doing with that. I don't think they would do the whole issue. I wouldn't think so because that was probably 235 was probably in the era where they were doing the 52 page issues for a quarter. Yeah. where half of it was new stuff and half of it was reprints. So maybe you'll get 
one or two of the news stories. That's true. That's true. So, but I actually thought we'd get like the first Sergeant Rock, and we were not. So I think I'm, it I'm has just... the first haunted tank, and did I? But not the first Sergeant Rock or anybody else. Uh, boy which, which I thought was odd. Boy Commandos, I think, is in the. This is number one. Is in in the the, the hardcover that we just. I mean the America at War Fireside book. Uh, a lot of them are in here. Army at War sixty-seven, eighty-three. Well, eighty-three is the first rock. Yeah, eighty-three is going to be in this book. All right. Um, I'm trying to compare it with the contents of this trade. GI Combat 87. Does it That's have the that? first haunted tank. Yeah, it has that. Our Fighting Forces 102. It has that too. Plus 49. 102. That would. Star Spangled War Stories 87. You know what that is. 87. I'm not sure which one that is. Mademoiselle Marie. Oh, is it? Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, I should have known that. Duh. Well, it's in our uh, Fireside book. I'm I'm actually in the table of contents of our Fireside and seeing how much this this match this 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 book is almost entirely the same. There there are some changes, but there uh, it has weird weird tales number three. I couldn't find anything special about that. That's an odd choice. Our if you're going to start with 49 is the starring Gunner and Sergeant Pooch. And that's in that book too. So believe it or not, we already have this content for the most part. <laughs> in the America at war book. America at war. We have that is... 80% of the content. Like we don't have the newer stuff. Uh, America at war has military comics. Number one, which is Blackhawk. Right. Um, yeah, this one has more content than that than, than this hardcover. But this one has like the Loser Special, um, and the Sergeant Rock Special, and the Enemy Ace War in Heaven, which which are newer material. But other than that, all the all the tales in this are are told in America at War. Fascinating. It is. It, it makes you wonder how they ended up basically reprinting that and then adding the new stuff to it. Yeah. Of course, that's a great book. If you're going to reprint one, I mean, that, that America at War trade is just a classic. And yeah, they have tough a lot, to find. They have especially a, lot, the hardcover. a lot of enemy at Ace in here. Well, it's regarded as one of the best of the war comics. And with Joe Kubert's art and the humanity of it, I can really see why. I, I think the I, – I'm, I'm surprised it exists. I think we've discussed that before where it's, you know, you're in the 60s and a lot of these veterans are still alive and you're portraying a German as a sympathetic character, which was probably a radical idea at the time. But the, yeah. the artwork by Joe Kubert is probably some of his best ever. And the stories are just incredible. I mean, some of them, like with the issue with the sh where he adopts the dog Shotzi, will just 
just punch you right in the gut. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's tough. It's it's a powerful tale. Oh, the other uh, one that's different is the Boy Commandos. They, they ha- We have number four, and they have number one in this hardcover. Well, see, that makes sense to me. I can understand starting at the beginning, but something like Weird War Tales 3 seems like an odd choice because... Yeah, I it's thought not... I thought I, I thought they would go for something like uh, GI Robot or um, the Creature, Creature Commandos. Commandos. Yeah, I just I, I just thought that would be like something more popular. Because if I was doing a hardcover, I'd want the Unknown Soldier, I'd want the Haunted Tank, I'd want Sergeant Rock, I'd want something with uh, what is the the War That Time Forgot. Yes, with the dinosaurs. With the dinosaurs, uh, Gunner and Sarge, the losers. This doesn't have any losers in it. Um, Enemy Ace for sure. You'd have to hit all the big ones, you know? Yeah. You could even throw in a Captain Storm because he had his own comic for a while. Yeah, he was one of the first to have his own solo title. Yeah. You know what? Yep. It's good stuff. I'm excited for it, even though I have most of the content. Yeah, it'll be a nice, nice collection to have, assuming they actually follow through and don't break our hearts and cancel it. But I'm definitely going to put yeah, in my pre-order. Yeah, that's for why it. I'm ordering five. I'm hoping to pick up at least for the five people I know that are not going to order it because they've been canceling them. Right. Well, I'll probably order two with the fifty percent off. Mm-hmm. Then I, I might, I might use one as a gift for a friend of mine who he and I both grew up reading this stuff, but he doesn't really buy comics anymore, but he likes to have a trade to read. He does a lot of traveling and he reads them on the planes and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that would be a good, good thing to pack in his bag to read. And at the cost that we're getting it for, it's a good price. $20. Yes. Let's see what I know. I, I don't remember what, <laughs> I'm looking at the price of this uh, America at War. <laughs> Can you guess how much that cost back in the I'm day? Gonna, back in the day, I think the soft cover was like six ninety five, and the hard cover was like twelve dollars <laughs> or something. You nailed it. It's six ninety five <laughs> exactly. I sure wish I'd sent away for one when I was a kid, but at the time I was like, they had a hard cover. They had a hard cover. They had a hard cover. It is. Yes, and it is tough, tough to find. I had no idea. You have the soft cover, though. Yes. Yeah, I have. I, I, I can't remember where I got my first copy. It was a long time before I ever found a copy in the wild. Yeah, my copy I, I got off of eBay, but it's probably a fine condition or somewhere between fine and VG. It it has a nice cover, but there's a crease on it in the corner. Other than that, it looks pretty good. There's a couple of dents in the back cover, but... Well, it is tough to find a nice shape. Of course, that's, that's true of a lot of the war books. The war books just weren't... I, I assume they were just mostly like kids like me, little boys who carried them around everywhere and read them over and over. You know, whereas Spider-Man was a lot more popular with adults yeah. who would, you know, take care of their stuff, had more sense about them. 
And if you really wanted to do a hardcover, you could put an issue of Blitzkrieg in there. <laughs> that would and be you'll nice. be like, what the hell? <laughs> that would probably be really radical nowadays. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was yeah. Radical, radical then, but nowadays, I, I don't think... I think that would be a, a tough sell. Yeah, I... Well, a lot of times... Enemy, Enemy Ace is tough enough, but at least you can say this is one of comics' greatest creators' greatest achievements. And you go, oh, okay. But Blitzkrieg, you had Rick Estrada drawing, and nothing against Rick, but he was certainly no Joe Kubert. True. So, you know, that, that, that's, that's a tough one. And some of those covers are just brutal. You know, like one of them, he's shooting the paratroopers hung up in the trees. And it's like, yeah. good night. How did this... How did this get approved and shipped out? It's such a weird, like, how do, how do you go to your editor and say, you know, we have all these war comics. Why don't we tell this from the perspective of the Germans? It's, I know what. It, it, it's so weird, especially, I, I, don't, I don't understand it. I'm glad it exists because it's so bizarre. Yes. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a strange book. I don't think they would ever reprint that um politically you know yeah that would be a tough sell to say hey here's a book that looks at the nazi soldiers with a human you know through the eyes of humanity and you know a sympathetic ear and like oh no (laughs) there's 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 a very interesting scene in 1917 and um it, it just makes you think because we're human, right? I mean, you're we're, we're human, and you might have some compassion in war. But every time I read or or see anything about it, sometimes compassion cannot be good. Right. <laughs> because you're at war. I mean, it might not lead to good things. Well, that was one reason why the propaganda of the time made such stereotypes of the enemy you know the japanese were portrayed with these big buck teeth and and just basically animals yeah because if you humanize them it you might hesitate to shoot them when they're in front of you and then that gets you killed yeah i have the i have the batman i can't remember what issue it is it's very early issue it's like in the 20s or something but it's got hirohito and uh Stalin and uh, Hitler on the cover. I'm going to need to see a picture of that one. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I'll i tell you which number it is, but I have that one, and I was so glad to get it. And it's it's got it's a nice cover. Like, my Batman 4 is, is pretty, or Batman 3 is pretty worn-torn, but uh, the other one has a really... It's uh, issue 18 of Batman. Okay. I'll have to look that one up. Yeah. It's got the buy war bonds and stamps on the cover, too. See, I love stuff like that. I I love you and uh, Comics in the Golden Age on Twitter will tweet out some of these covers with stuff like that. I'm like, man, that, you know, it's just such an amazing piece of history where. Yeah, it is. You know, we were. You know, rationing sugar and buying war bonds to support our troops and stuff. And now, mm-hmm. you know, you have these endless wars and people just go about their daily lives. Yeah. It's a, a d- definitely a different time. It's pretty incredible, though, because I have Batman 17 and 18. And when you think about it, 
16 is the first appearance of Alfred. Why can't I have that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that'll make you mad. I remember um, (laughs) when I was buying a bunch of Spider-Man as a kid, and then I learned that, hey, Gwen Stacy dies and and these issues. And I'm like, oh, really? I need those. And I looked, and I had every issue around them. And I was like, well, dadgummit. Yeah, that that one has been on my watch list for a while. I just haven't pulled the trigger because of the price. Like, I'm not getting it what I want to pay for it. Right. Or the condition that I want to get it in. But um, I've been close. I just haven't uh, pulled the trigger yet. That's a, a big issue to have. Yes, it is. It's it's historic at this point. Yeah. I mean, it was a big deal. I'm you know, I was buying this stuff. I really got into Spidey in the 80s and into the early 90s. And it was a big issue then. So <laughs> I can't imagine <laughs> the prices nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Because I've so, learned uh, that I'm, I'm out of touch on a lot of these prices on current things. I'll, I'll, li- I'll look at a price and go, that's insane. And then I'll check it on eBay and go, oh, okay, yeah, that's actually a good price. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The collected editions are almost worth more than some of the, you know, comics because they they don't make many of them. Right. So like their print run might be 3k, you know, 3 grand, you know, 3000 of them. Right. And if people don't want to get rid of them, then the two that are, that that are out for sale are more in demand if somebody wants them. So it's an interesting uh, game we play. Well, I used to, I would just study prices because I was always plotting my next move. You know, it was like, okay, I'm going to work on these, you know, five things, whichever ones come up first. That's where I'll, you know, prioritize. But these are my next goals, you know, and so I needed to know the prices on them. But, you know, now that I'm a Mr. Mom with two kids sucking me drive, all my finances <laughs> and home repairs that, that just make you want to sit down and cry in the corner. I'm like, okay, well I'll just see what's in the dollar box today. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. That's right. But sometimes you can find some gems in there too. Oh yeah. 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 I, I, that's one reason why I love second and Charles is because I'll almost every time I've been in there, I have found something that I wanted and it's not a, a super valuable, but it might be $10. Yeah. And I didn't want to pay $10. And here it is for 95 cents at second and Charles. I'm like, yes, yeah, yes. And my wife, you know, I'm so happy. And she's like, you're so weird. <laughs> the, the simple things in life. That's right. Yeah. And I, uh, since we last talked, I, I bought that Blackhawk uh, doll. My wife have called you... me and said, what this, you have a, you have this long box outside of your house. It's, it was at least like, I don't know. It was like a five foot length box, five oh, foot yeah. by it, that three box foot. Is a monster. But but it was in the packing, you know, so they didn't want to like damage the corners or anything. So they they packaged it in even a bigger box, because it's like uh, what is it like three feet by tw- by twelve inches or something? Because um, it's like a twelve inch GI Joe, maybe a little bit bigger, but. It's a pretty big piece. Yeah, it's it's close. It's I'd say it's close to the length of a long box, right? If I'm remembering right. Yeah. And and then the the height is 
you know, probably closer to two long boxes stacked together. Yeah, and it's and then, about two inches in width. So, so any of you listeners, just picture that. This is a massive figure, and you should hunt one down for your collection. They're not that expensive. Blackhawk isn't anyway. I mean, the big one is the Sergeant Rock. That's the one that's going to cost you. Well, they are well worth it to me. I mean, they are... I, anytime I look at them, I'm like, I just can't believe they made this. This is... <laughs> You know, if I could have picked a toy as a kid, it would have been have my DC War characters become G.I. Joes. And so, granted, it didn't come out in time for me to play with it as a kid, but it dang sure came out in time for me to collect it as an adult. adult. Yeah. <laughs> and at least this way, I didn't tear it up because as a kid, I would have been out in the yard, take cover, easy! You know, <laughs> pretending, pretending like the Germans are, are attacking. I was looking at the Ramco um, Sergeant Rock figures, and other than the packaging, though, they really didn't get it. Like it, it was a missed market to me. It was at, at it least was... at least Arek and Warlord and Demos and you know all the characters they came out with Machiste. They all look like those figures. The Sergeant Rock, I can't even find a Sergeant Rock look like a Sergeant Rock. They just look like army men to me. Like generic army guys. They were probably the biggest disappointment I had as a kid as far as a toy goes. Because there was an ad in the comics where Sergeant Rock is marching through the desert. And then he comes charging at you in the last panel. And it says something like, Sergeant Rock is on the move in 82. Look for the Rimco toys at Kmart or something like that. Yeah. And I was so incredibly excited. And when they finally showed up, I'm looking for all of Easy Company. And there's the only one that I recognize is Sergeant Rock himself. And everything else is like, Leatherneck, he's a Marine. Sharpshooter, he's a Marksman. Like, what? Yeah. Wait, what? What? <laughs> what but but like. I mean, uh, we we just have a t tweet here from uh, Ross giving us the ad of Sergeant Rock on Twitter. I still don't see Rock unless he's like the 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 first guy on the the left at the top in the ad. Well, I know that they made a Rock because I bought him. I actually bought two of them because they had two different bonuses. I think the first the first wave i think came with a plastic dog tag and then the second wave came with like iron oil stripes for a t-shirt or something so i bought two different versions but i think it was basically the same figure just a different bonus with him but, yeah i've been looking on ebay and i just don't even see one that looks like rock it wasn't for for the i do, 80s I, I, do see, the way, I do i do see the sharpshooter and the um, this is the Raider, tough action soldier. <laughs> See, why not give me Bulldozer and Little Sure Shot and Wild Man? I don't understand that. Yeah, these are just a machine gun nest. <laughs> because they obviously had li had the license, and I wouldn't think it would cost you more to include all of Easy Company versus just Sergeant Rock. I would think yeah, they'd be like, you're going to make a figure of our toys? Fantastic. Well, this that is one a... that I this is one that I haven't seen before, the uh, Sergeant Rock, the bad guys, the Ultimate Enemy giant double action set. Like I didn't know they had an enemy uh, 
I didn't know they had villains. They made a generic villain. He was, it was, you know, it wasn't the Nazis. There was no Iron Major. It was just a generic villain. That way you could buy the generic villain and also use them as bad guys with your G.I. Joes and whatnot, which I felt like was just a colossal miss because anybody yeah. at that time wanting Sergeant Rock wanted, you know, Sergeant Rock fighting a Nazi. I don't leather think neck. I, I see leather neck. I don't think I ever bought any of the bad guy figures because the Cobra, if you just wanted bad guys, buy the Cobra Troopers, which to me were a much cooler looking figure. Yeah, if you find the Sergeant Rock or a picture of yours, I'd like to see him. Okay. Because I do not see a Sergeant Rock. I see all the other generic names, but I just don't see a Sergeant Rock. And I've been looking... There's a lot of them that are opened and available. Like it's got the bad guy snake. <laughs> yeah, the bad guy stuff was just... And, and you know, maybe it sold great. Maybe it made Remco some money. I don't know. But as a fan... I don't think so. It I didn't was just last like, long. this sucks. <laughs> yeah. The the warlord figures though, which I've been looking for, they're not cheap. No, I, even I even actually, even at opened, they're not cheap. Yeah, Mike Grell came to Heroes Con a few years ago, and I decided because I did have a warlord figure when I was a kid. I don't know what happened to it, yeah. but I said I know what I'm going to get Mike to sign because I always like to have something really cool that he hadn't signed ten million of. So I'm going to get that warlord figure, and I'm going to get him to sign the package. And then I looked yeah. it up, and I think it was like at least $100 for one. And I was like, you know what? I think I'll just take my Warlord comics. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, these figures are expensive. They're not They're not cheap, especially if they're carded. Yes, Cause, and, they're and I carded. wanted one on the card to get him to sign the card. Mm -hmm. I, I, I thought I had this perfect plan, and then I was like, oh, no. But, be, but because, because the Remco ones are not... Um, they're not really Easy Company or Sergeant Rock. You have to have the card to make it identifiable. <laughs> you do. I, you really do. But if I remember right, the card backs were relatively pretty much the same. I think there was like a profile of, of Rock, but then they had a little sticker on the bubble on the card, and that, that told you who the who the figure was. Yeah. Where the Joe, nope. the Joe, the Joe uh, ones are way better. The GI Joe ones are way better. Oh yeah, the that, GI you know, Joe. You, you, you know that was somebody getting a job. Oh yeah, definitely. At, at, at Hasbro, that like was like us that read the comics and was like, I gotta, I gotta do this. And that's well, the thing that sort of bums me out about the enemy aces. I, I, I want this large package but because i don't open it i want the figure in the middle to be the classic the classic look in the enemy ace one where it's got the coat it's on the left hand side with the dog and he's not he, in other words he's not wearing the coat in in the in the centerpiece where the doll is so he's not 
the character the the figure doesn't come in the costume you'd prefer him to. Then. That's exactly what I'm saying. Okay. Like where where Blackhawk did it's like if they put Blackhawk in the red costume and had the blue costume on the right. Well, I was glad they included the red costume for Blackhawk, but yeah, I would not have yeah. wanted him to come in the red red and green. The the classic blue is the way to go for Blackhawk. In the Sergeant Rock, I would I would have loved to have him like with the shirt all torn up and the bullets across his chest. <laughs> that would have been nice. That's the the look that I know. Well, Kubert usually drew him, you know, his uniform's torn to shreds. He he just looks weary and exhausted. Mm-hmm. And and that's the way I picture most guys on the front line is just golly, you know, just just looking rough, surviving. Yeah. Well, we had a, we had one question. I don't know if you got to see it or not. I did, but I was, I and I was going to respond to him, but I decided we'd debut our answer on the podcast. Yeah, and then Chris, then answer him later. It's from Chris Pfeiffer, and uh, his question is: Did you partake or have any thoughts on the early '70s weird phenomenon? Uh, not sure these were all DC, but the first five comics he owned. Were Weird Worlds, Weird Western Tales, and Weird War Tales, and the other two, Brave and the Bold and Plop. I don't know what he means by Brave and the Bold. I assume he's just talking about the fact that it wasn't a normal Batman title because he would team up with anybody from Commandy to Mr. Miracle to Sergeant Rock. But I thought it would mean that because Brave and the Bold didn't start as a superhero book. It could be. I'm not. Was I, I wasn't sure on that. Firefighter. Um, I don't think the superhero stuff. Like it had like Viking Prince. Right. Um, the Silent Knight. I think they had the original Suicide Robin Squad Hood. in there, didn't they? They did. And that's when they were kind of like war heroes. Right, right. Like, um, ta- what, what was it? Task Force X? Was X, that- yeah. Issue 24. No, uh, 25. I actually own that issue. That's the first appearance of Suicide Squad. Well, if you if you ever get tired of it, you can send that on to your little friend down here in Georgia. Who well, never I gets 20, snow. I want 26 and 27 because... Those are uh, Task Force X as well. Nice. Yeah, and that, then that would be nice. And then 28's really nice to have because that's uh, Justice first, League of first. America. <laughs> yeah, I remember one time as a kid in the 80s, I sent away for an ad in the Comics Buyer's Guide for a guy selling a list of, of war comics and send away for the, my price list. So I did, and I got it, and I placed an order. And I asked him when I placed my order if there were any books he was looking for, because I was hoping, you know, maybe he'd say he wanted a Conan or something that I could pick up at the flea market and trade him for some more war comics. And he said he would trade me any two of the war comics on his list for Raven the Bold 28. And I was like, this guy thinks I'm a moron. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, Lil Kirk, back in the day, when he, if he wasn't thinking straight, he might have said, yeah. <laughs> well now if he had had the first sergeant rock or something on his list i definitely probably would have considered it hell but yeah yeah i think 
I bought the oldest Sergeant Rocky had, and that was number 210. And that was my oldest issue for many, many years. It stayed on because I would separate my favorites into their own piles yeah. from oldest with the newest on the bottom. And that sat on the top of the pile for a long time because I never found an older issue than number 210. Mm. But getting back to his question, I, I enjoyed all those titles, but my favorites were Weird War and Weird Western, of course, because the Weird War had just some gorgeous Joe Kubert art and would reprint stories that weren't necessarily made for Weird War in the beginning. And then they drifted into original ideas, and you got the G.I. Robot and the Creature Commandos. So I loved Weird War, and then Weird Western gave us my second favorite character, Jonah Hex, and then Joe Crawford's favorite character, Scout Hunter. Scout Hunter, Hunter. that's right. So, I mean, you can't go wrong with either of those two. And I enjoyed the other books, but those would have been my favorite among that list. Same here. I want to get the plop. I, I do. And Weird Worlds, I don't think I have, but like maybe one issue of that. Yeah, I've only got a few of those. I think that was, I think they did some Edgar Rice Burroughs characters. Yeah, they did. And that. A, a matter of fact, um, Dark Horse was reprinting uh, some of these Edgar Rice Burroughs uh, characters, like the Pel Akut Sidar from. Uh, I can't remember. It was the backup feature in Korak. Okay. But but uh, she she's been coming out in uh, American mythology comics. Like they're doing some of the the Edgar Rice Burroughs characters over there. Right. I, I think I picked up Carson of Venus from American mythology. Yeah, um, Carson I, of Venus is also the other property. And then there's one other there's one other one with the moon in it. I can't remember. It's like Moon Girl, but it's not Moon Girl. It's something else. Okay. But Weird yeah. Weird Worlds had Iron Wolf and uh, Tarzan and his son Korak. And I think Weird Worlds would be the one I have John the fewest Carter. of. John Carter. I have number one, and I have number nine, and there's only ten issues. So I have one Iron Wolf. Well, I, Iron I, Wolf, that I, was I really Howard Chaykin, wanna, right? Uh, Iron Wolf, yes, he was. That was Howard Chaykin. Oh, it was God. either him or uh, Kaluta too. I think Kaluta had some work work with him. Well, you can't go wrong with either of those guys. Yeah. Yeah, that's that'll be a good series to get. I don't think those are too outrageous in price no I, I think probably the most expensive of all those he mentioned would probably be the weird war number one and may, maybe the weird western what weird western i think started with what 13 or something like that it took over from all-star western so it's probably not that expensive yeah weird war is in good shape number one is pretty high and then I think number 64 has early Frank Miller work, and it's it's really gone up the last few years. Weird Western, I'm very close to having a full run of. Let's see where I'm at. Weird Western Tales. I have from 18 up. 
Oh, yeah, you're real close. I have 18 to 71. I need 12 through 17. I have everything that's uh, a Hex. Well, no, Hex is in uh, 16. He's in... He's in 16 missing, and 17. I think you're missing some of the El Diablo issues. Yeah, I'm missing El Diablo. Plus, uh, Weird Western 14 has uh, him strapped to the the desert, tied up in a snake looking, rattlesnake looking like it's going to buy him. <laughs> I remember that cover. Anything <laughs> with a snake kind of haunts me. I, I'm like Indiana Jones. I do not like snakes. So anything with a snake, I'm like, oh, no. I'd rather have me facing an outlaw than a rattlesnake. <laughs> And that came from All-Star Western, like you were saying. And I know I don't have many of those. Of the All-Star Westerns? Yeah. Do you have the first hex from that? Uh, yes, I do. There you go. That, that, number, if you've got that 10. one, it's all, it's all gravy from there. Number 10 and 11. So, uh... But there's some interesting, like uh, the All-Star Western ran from 1970 to 1972. And that one I almost have a full run of. That only had 11 issues. It's the one that was prior that had a lot. 1951 to 1961. That's when it has the Tiger Twins and Pow Wow Smith. And yeah, I don't have many of those. I don't have any of them. I would love to pick up some more of those, but usually when I find them, they're more than I can afford to spend at the moment. And that one launched from All-Star Comics. So it, it that didn't start until 58. That ran from 58 to 119 and came from All-Star Comics. So that you you can tell that was around the time that the superheroes were kind of phasing out in the 50s. You know, right. and that the war comics and the westerns and the romance were starting to take over the market. Well, it's amazing when you look back and all these titles were continued from a different title and they just carry on the same numbering. Yeah. Whereas now it can be the same title. And here's here's a new relaunch for you because we got a new writer this month. So like you went from never starting over to starting over at least once a year. But they had a financial reason for that. Like if, it had something if, to if, do with it, the mailing permit for yeah, subscriptions it, 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 or it something? Was, it was mailing permit, and it would cost them more. Like if it was brand new, but if it was like existing, they can just keep going. Right. Based on their first permit. So they didn't have to like open up another permit and have to buy it again. So... They financially wanted to keep a title going if they could, if it made well, sense. It, it makes sense to me. Yeah. But those, that was that. a good keep question. I, do you have any plop? I do have some plop. I don't have a complete run, but I do have some plop. And My brother had a, a run of this, and all I have is plop number one, and that's it. And 20. And, and those are hard books to come by. You don't see those in the dollar bin for sure. No, they don't. That's one reason why I don't have a complete run is because usually if you want one, you have to hunt it down and pay a little bit of extra money for it. And a that's lot of right. these books, a lot of these books that I have, you know, were put in the discount bins early on. 
Yeah. So, uh, what book do you? Oh, uh, what book do you have for us tonight? Or books? Well, I, I chose a few, and I didn't know how long you'd want to go, so I just. I'll go as I'll, long as you want. <laughs> well, I can talk comics all night long, so you may yeah. you may not want to set <laughs> set the record for your longest podcast ever. Yeah. But for my for starters tonight, you know you know I love Atari Force, and I was reminded <laughs> recently that Atari Force, somewhere around the time of the original mini-comics that came with the Atari games, also was used to launch the DC graphic novel line. And I don't know if I ever read it before or not. It was are, are, are you serious? The, it I, came in the those giant side graphic novels, Atari Force it's, it's a, it's Well, sort of. That's, that's the catcher right here, because... It's five ninety five cover price. It's DC graphic novel number one, and it's Star Raiders by Elias S. Magin and Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, and it is tied into the Atari Force universe. It's got some of the same characters. It's got the species Hucka. It references Atari Force many times in the story, but we don't see the Atari Force team because when the story opens... One of our main characters is in a bunker and is awakened by the commotion of Atari Force fighting and then leaving his planet. So this is like ground zero for my favorite Atari Force series. Wow, that's and, that's cool. I don't have that one. I, my first uh, graphic novel is two, which is The Warlords. Well, I... I highly recommend this. Like I say, I may have read it when it was new, and I hadn't yet fallen in love with Atari Force, but I'm not sure that I even bought it because 595 cover price, and this is dated from 1983, that would have been a colossal investment for me at that time because I think comics were, that would have been around the 60 cent, maybe 65 cent period, somewhere in there. So five ninety five would have been <laughs> that would have been big money, and it didn't say Sergeant Rock on the front, so I don't know that I would have done it. Yeah. But we open up with uh. Our Are main there some of the same characters though? There they ha they reference the Atari Force team. Yeah. And they have, I don't know if you remember the species Hucka. I think he, I think Keith Giffen did a backup series on the Hucka spirit species. Wow. In one of the issues, and I know you love Keith Giffen now, so you may want to look back at that one because the Huckas play a, a, a vital role. This this is mostly set on the planet of the Huckas, and it it opens up with our friends Zeke, who is Ezekiel Cranston Vicker, being awakened by the Huckas, who are alerting him to Tari Force and he's like Tari Force what are you talking about so he goes and checks his video monitors to learn that the Atari Force team has just been there in some great battle and they've taken off and then it cuts to outer space where Captain Jebediah Poole and Navigator Tomorrow Hardtack known as Tommy are, are driving in and, and much like Blackjack and Dart in the Atari Force, there seems to be a mature relationship between these guys that I don't know that I would have picked up on when I was 
let's see, 1983, I would have turned 11. So I was either 10 or 11 when this came out. I'm not sure I would have picked up on any subtle hints. That, but he refers to her as Navigator, and she says, seems like just yesterday on Sigma 6 that rank was the last thing on your mind. So I think they have a little bit of romantic history there. But uh, <laughs> 10-year-old little fat Spencer probably would not have caught that. And I mean, like, she was being sassy. I don't get it. <laughs> but the the Xylons are our, our enemy in this, and they are able to uh, regenerate. If you blast them, the, the, if you blast them into a million pieces, you'll get a million Xylons. So Jedediah Pool and Tommy Tomorrow Hardtack are in battle with the Xylons just outside of Zeke's little shelter. And he comes out to help them. He builds a weapon that uh, will shoot a rocket that attaches to them and carries them outer space where they, the Xylons can't survive. And they start to realize this old man's got some good ideas and how maybe he can help us defeat these Xylons because the Xylons are everywhere. They're taking over the galaxy. And Zeke comes up with a plan. There's a downed Star Raiders cruiser ship on his planet. And he's decided that what they need to do is repair the ship and recruit some allies. So Tommy chooses herself to go do the recruiting and that the captain can do the repairs and leaves, just takes off in the ship and leaves Captain Jed alone with Zeke to repair the ship. Well, she's off on another planet to re do some recruiting and Zeke is working on the, the ship with Jed and they start talking about Let's see, what's this thing called? The brain box. And when he starts to repair on it, he forms a link with Tommy and sees that she's in danger and tells her to turn around and shoot right now. Do it now because he sees the enemy closing in behind her, sneaking up on her. So she turns around and shoots, wondering how she's able to hear her partner's voice in her head and takes out the guy who was sneaking up on her to blast her in the back. Well, this inspires some freedom fighters who are watching her. And when she takes off to escape, they follow her. And they all end up back on Zeke's home planet, the planet of the Hucka. And they decide that they are going to start training so that they can fight the Xylons. They've, this is the first time they've shown progress against the Xylons in a long time, and they're all really excited. So the Xylons post a threat to the world, and Tommy is trying to recruit them. And, and they're all willing to fight with them. And Jed is making the repairs, and then he starts training them in hand-to-hand -hand combat, which I think is strange because most of this fighting is going to be done in outer space and spaceships. But, you know, <laughs> it's a 1980s, <laughs> 1980s comic, so we go, we go with it. But we learn that one of the uh, freedom fighters is the last of his species who, who decides he's sentient, and he decides that everybody's in danger. And it's up to him to save everybody. So he takes off in the Star Raiders ship and goes off to face off with the leader of the Xylons. And there's a really cool plot twist to the leader of the Xylons that I don't want to spoil for anybody who wants to pick up this book because I really recommend it. It's just gorgeous art from Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Praise be his name. But uh, it, it's just really well-written beautifully drawn the colors are nice i think i think garcia lopez did the colors himself and 
it's just highly recommended. I remember there was an Atari game, Star Raiders. Yeah, there was, and uh, it was on their computer first. I don't remember much about it. 1979, it was their first 8-bit game. Later, it was ported to the Atari that we we know. Well, Um, I looked at a game cartridge of it, and it apparently came with some kind of extra, like, hookup it wasn't just a standard joystick there was some kind of that's like a pad well there's and a that... 2600 one never mind that pad came with the 2600 to play well it it it, it plays a role in the star cruiser ship this pad is like the console for the ship so i thought it tied together with the game nicely i probably would have appreciated it more if i actually remembered much about the game but it it it's a it's definitely a recommended from Fort Spencer staff here. Yeah. It sounds like it was for the computer and then it was ported to the 2600 and then 5200. So plus it had its own comics, believe it or not. Well, I, I like know many many comics. It says early production of the 2600. Well, the 2600 came with the Atari Force. This is supposed to be like a loose tie-in to Atari Force, but not Atari Force. This particular issue, mini-comics accompanying Defender and Berserk games, and two final mini-comics followed with games Phoenix and Galaxian. So, I don't know if they're talking about the Atari Force mini, or if they're talking about the Star Raiders having their own comic. Well, the Star Raiders game apparently came with an Atari Force mini-comic. So they had set up the premise of the Atari Force team, yeah. and then then this must have come out after the mini comic, but before the ongoing twenty issue series with Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Lopez. Yeah, good stuff, man. I was so excited because I didn't remember that that it was a tie-in. I just remembered this being an Atari game that became a comic. And then, then when I was reminded recently that that was like ground zero for the Atari Force series, I had to go find me a nice copy and read it. And it, it was well worth it. <laughs> yeah, there's two versions of that. There's the, you said your cover price was five ninety five. Yes. Yeah, that's the standard. And then there's a six ninety five regional price variant. Oh, well, now you know I want that one too. Because I want all things Atari for us. <laughs> well, you're going to have to seek out this one then. It's the same cover. It's just a different price tag. And the looks like the... Uh, yeah, it just says a different price tag on it. It's in gray, and it says 695 I wonder, was, was that for the Canadian market, or was that a later printing? Um, it says regional price variant. Indisha says Star Raiders cover says graphic novel number one, but so does yours. And then it says something about the Indisha list says one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, nineteen eighty-three. So. Well, if anybody's listening to this and you know the answer, let me know. I'm at Big Five Army. Tell me if this was a reprint or just a price variant for a different market, because I know these. Mm-hmm. No, graphic your, novels were sold in like Walden books and stuff. Yeah, yours is worth more than than the other one. So I think 
the the alternate cover is a reprint. Okay. Yeah. I can't even tell if it came out like the same year or later. I can't tell. But I just realized I don't have the Hunger Dogs. Damn it. Number four. Oh, I that need one's to have expensive. that. Yeah. I need number four, six, and seven. What are six and seven? One, four, six, and seven. Six and six is uh, Metal Zoic by Pat Mills and Kevin O'Neill. Those are like Judge Jed 2000 AD guys. Right. And uh, number seven is Space Clusters by Arthur Byron and Alex Nino. Huh. I don't think I have those. Five is, uh, ooh, I didn't know this. Uh, five I have, but it's called Me and Joe Priest, and it's uh, Ron Randall art. I saw that one. Someone Greg tweeted Potter a picture of that the other writing. day, and I was like, yeah. I don't. I don't think I have that one. I'm going to have to try to find me a copy and get Ron to yeah. sign that for me. Because I do like me some Ron Randall art. Four is Jack Kirby. Three is uh, Medusa Chain by Ernie Colon. And he did the art and writing. And two is Warlords by Steve Skeets and David Wenzel. Interesting. Yeah, DC's graphic novel approach was very different from Marvel's. Marvel was, hey, here's these characters you like in a deluxe format. And DC was like, hey, here's some crazy stuff you've never heard of. Well, Marvel's Marvel did, like, big things in theirs because their first one, like, New Mutants, the first appearance of New Mutants is in their graphic novel. Right, and, and they had the, the they had the death of Captain Marvel, right, and a bunch of other special ones. Whereas this one, it looks like really the only one that ties into anything like DC proper is is the the Hunger Dogs. Everything else, like even even a, the this Atari Force connection, is very loosely um, there. This one says it's a spin-off of Atari Force and popular Atari video game. Taking well, advantage I, of the... It's a derivative of Battlestar Galactica. Well, I would say that there's some truth to that because the enemy is Zylon yeah. you know, versus Cylon. And <laughs> their ships look a lot like the uh, kind of oval Cylon Centurion ships that yeah. Battlestar Galactica had. So... I would say that they may, <laughs> there may be something to that. I love Battlestar Galactica. I have the, I have the Viper and the, uh, what is the ship called for the Cylons? Um, I, I can't think of what it is. I know I the Viper. Remember. I don't remember what the Cylon ship is. The Raider, the Cylon Raider. So the. Those ones were cool because if they were first generation, the ships had these really teeny characters that were, man, they must have been less than an inch tall. And they would fit in the cockpit. And then they had these darts that you'd put in, like the Viper only had one dart, which you'd load into the the, the, the tip of the Viper. And then the, uh, the Raider had two darts because you'd open up the wings, the... The Cylon, 
and you, you can shoot those out. So, I used uh, to have, I bought those from a friend at school when I was a kid because I didn't have any of them new. When mm -hmm. I discovered, when I discovered Battlestar Galactica was 1983. We got, my grandma got cable first and WGN was airing reruns of Battlestar Galactica and I would watch it at her house and I just fell in love. And yeah, for, for us, I remember we saw the movie of the drive-in and we watched the series religiously every night, every night that it was on as it came out. I so, would have lost my mind over it if I'd seen it when yeah. the toys, when it was new, when the toys were available. And, but as it was, I, I had a friend at school who had some, he had gotten in, I think he had gotten into Dungeons and Dragons. There was something he was really into that he wanted to get money for to buy something else. So he sold me his Battlestar Galactica toys. Very so cool. So I, I had the, the Viper and the Raider on the mantle in my bedroom at, at my parents' house as a kid growing up. And they, they, one of them had the minifigure, and, but the other one didn't. Yeah. But these had the little firing red darts, which I don't think they did later. I think they got rid of those. Yeah, they they still kept the dart, but it it when you hit the button, it would not go. It would not project itself. It would just like pop out. Okay. Like an inch, and and it would be attached to something, so it wouldn't like you couldn't shoot somebody's eye out from across the room. <laughs> yeah, didn't didn't a kid choke on it or something, and then yeah, so they changed the entire toy happens. line. Yeah. Cause I used to have a cool uh, a Star Trek gun, and it would shoot discus, like these little circular discs. Oh, that would have been. Do you awesome. remember? Oh, you you never. I had to show you that. It was awesome. I I might da have dangerous had that. as heck, but we would. It was fun. It was dangerous because they shot at a decent projectile speed. Not to I like, had a lot if it of hit Star you, Trek it didn't hurt. I didn't but even if... know what it was. Yeah. We didn't. I didn't see Star Trek until years later, but I thought it looked cool. I had like puzzles. I had some toys. I even had a Mr. Spock watch, but I didn't. I had never seen the TV show. I just thought these things looked cool. And once I saw the TV show, I, I had an even greater appreciation for them. But yeah. at the time, I was just like, well, this this guy with the pointy ears looks pretty cool. I'll, I'll take this watch. <laughs> For me, it was the, uh, the the Mego dolls. I had a Scotty and a, a Spock. And I, I na now, if I find them at Target, I'll buy them. Like, if they have the Mego doll section and there's a, there's a Star Trek section, I, I'll buy them. Because I think they're awesome. They are. But uh, my my choice tonight is uh, from Charlton, uh, Lost Jungle Tales. So I, my, my whole theme today is uh, Jungle Comics. And uh, this one had original unpublished art by Pat Boyette. And I didn't really know Pat Boyette too well. But uh, this has a huge article on him. And he sounds like a fascinating guy. Because he had a Hollywood presence, and uh, he created all kinds of different movies, um, which I, I should probably search out at some time. 
1962, he did Dungeons of Harrow and uh, No Man's Land and Weird Ones and The Girls from the Thunderstrip. He made and, those movies or he yeah, started he, those he, movies? Yeah, he uh, made these movies. These are his films. Uh, he had his own production company and it said um, he decided to stop doing films after losing his film equipment in a fire. So if he never, if, and that, and that's kind of when he went into comics with Charlton. Uh, but he also had, he was also a reporter, uh, which is fascinating on on the radio. So he had a great radio voice. But uh, he was supposedly a real humble artist. He he drew he drew all the tales in this. Uh, he drew Cat Girl, which was by Paul Kupperberg. Which is essentially about like a, uh, she's kind of like a Sheena of the jungle, except uh, she protects this people and she's able to uh, um, turn into a cat. Uh, but there's this uh, black queen that wants her power, so she sends these dead apes that have like this crystal on their head to go hunt her down, to hunt her friend down. Because they know if they hunt her friend down, they can capture her and then supposedly steal her supernatural power. Uh, unfortunately, they kill her friend um, in the whole process, but she does turn to a cat and defeats the Black Queen. So that's the story of, of uh, Cat Girl, whose I think first appearance was in The Fly in Archie Comics, which is even more interesting. Because that's like cross company. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other stories I liked even more because I thought his art. I, I I should send you a couple pictures of his art from Jungle Jacks, but I I think you would dig Jungle Jacks because they're in uh, World War Two World War One type biplanes, and. Um, it's this rich woman who's trying to kill. I don't know why she's, this is a shitty way to hunt. She'll get in her plane. <laughs> she'll get in her biplane and have the machine gun in the front and then shoot the animals up. And uh, jungle jacks is a protector of the animals in the jungle. And he won't have any of that. So they get into these aerial fight scenes and uh, she gets away the first time and actually takes him out. But later on, he uh, destroys her plane and arrests her. So that was a uh, that was a good story. And then the the last story was called Rogue Elephant. And I I kind of read a elephant story I think in in Weird Something for DC. Uh, maybe it's unexpected. One of the unexpected stories I covered about an elephant. Well, this one was about an elephant that they all sort of worshipped in this village. And this one guy started to uh, torture it and put like these steel pikes in its foot. So he went on a rampage because he was in a lot of pain and started destroying the village. And the boy was like, there's nothing wrong with him. He's a good elephant. And Jungle Jacks helps him track down the elephant, take these steel pikes out of his pad. And then uh, eventually the guy's there to kill the elephant. And he misses, but the elephant goes off and chases him into some quicksand, and he just he ends up dying in the quicksand. 
but uh, it, it was a uh, this was a, a Kickstarter from Charlton Neo, which um, on Facebook they have the the uh, Charlton Arrow fan group, and uh, you would really dig it. But what they what they do post is like it's like all Charlton all the time, but the guy um, what is his name Mort Todd reproduces a lot of these books. These are some of the books that I I purchased from Indie Planet. Uh, he he does some of those. Like you probably can find this one on Indie Planet. But you got it from a Kickstarter. I got it from a Kickstarter. Yeah, my name's on the back of it, so you'll see. Like Mike and Barb Myers supported it. But uh, very cool. That was a. I love Jungle Comics, man. I I just I have a thing for Jungle Comics, and my my next pick is gonna be more Jungle Comics. Do you are you getting the jungle comics from Antarctic Press? Yeah. Of course. <laughs> well, I assumed so. I should have known that for sure, but I just wanted to double yeah. check. If there's a jungle comic and it's a Kickstarter or if it's uh shows up in Antarctic, like I think the one they just solicited um I already owned as a Kickstarter, so I'm not going to get it, but he sometimes does that in Antarctic Press. Sometimes he'll launch something with the Kickstarter and then have it published later on. But you never know. Right. Well, I think I think times are hard for a lot of these smaller companies. So if doing a Kickstarter and then getting it out is what you have to do, then then do it. I just want them to do it the right way and keep the backers informed and, and ship them their books in a timely fashion. Cause all, I know there's, I know I there's ask... a guy you and I have both backed that is not very good at that stuff. No, he's not. But if you order it through previews, he's they're good. So yeah, I, I, I get it through there. But, um, yeah, I, uh, I, if it's, it's, if it's, it's, it's alive, I, I love their stuff. But I'll I'll just order it for previews. Um, the other stuff, depending on what it is, I might kickstart it. And I have no problem with kickstarters. The only thing I I ask is that I get my book before previews. <laughs> right. That's all I ask. I I paid a little extra. You know, ship it to me before you ship it to anybody that gets it in previews. That's that's it's that simple. Yeah, it 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 should be the people who made this possible get their book first, but unfortunately a lot of times that's it's just the not the case. Yeah. You know, and it it really makes me angry especially when we usually as a Kickstarter backer have paid a premium for this thing and I could have gotten it for half the price a lot of times if I just waited and bought it through previews and then right. I would I would have my copy and I wouldn't have paid as much. So what what incentive do I have to back you next time? And the other thing I don't like is I don't like when you have to pester them. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I know exactly they, what it, you it, mean. It should be proactive on their part. Like, hey, I'm going to get you this book and here's when it's coming. Or I'm 30 days late, I'm going to get you this book. You know, it's just communication. And some people just don't know how to do it. And sometimes you have to track them down and say, hey... Where's my book? <laughs> and sometimes you have to bug them more than once. <laughs> oh yeah, and and 
as a guy who has trouble with his mail delivery anyway, please don't just drop it in an envelope and write do not bend because that's not going to work. Put a little yeah. care into it. You charged me an extra $6 to ship it anyway. You know, don't yeah. don't skimp and ship it for a dollar twenty four media mail. Because I had one arrive the other day like that, and it was like folded in half. And like, you charged me six dollars. You spent for a bad one comic. <laughs> you spent one twenty four. Yeah, if you're gonna if they're gonna spend on shipping, they should at least charge you what that value is. Like if they charge you priority mail. You should at least get priority mail right. and, and backing boards on the cover to protect it. Yeah, that was that was do my not bend, bend symbol. You shouldn't get like a media mail for a dollar and a quarter or whatever the hell it is in some kind of ma- manila folder. Um, well, that's exactly with no, what, with what no, I got. With no protection. <laughs> well, that's why I love... Like one of the people that I will back almost everything they put out is Inverse Press. They're a small publisher out of Alabama, but they yeah. always take care of me and and they pack my stuff with care. And it, the one time I had a problem, they were like, "We're we're better than that," and they replaced it, no problems. And I was like, you know, I love these people. They've earned my loyalty. So yeah, any anytime they post one, I'm like, I'm gonna help you try to get this out in the world. The what the ones that I I've been lucky with like I've heard people say nothing is the Evolutionize Press I I like get their books because I like them a lot right. and I get those in a very timely manner and I also get Jimmy Palmiotti's books from Paper Films they come right. in good packaging they come timely you always get it before any you know before it's ever solicited. Um, uh, Ron Randall does great Kickstarters. Yes, he does. He, he protects your art. He protects your if you if you get a couple prints, they're all protected. Um, he ships it good. You know everything is shipped properly. So there, there's like go-to people that that I think put quality into their shipping and and just play by the rules all the time, and I'll always back them. Well, that that that's that's the way I I look at it is if you because because of my love for comics I want to get them all but I know I can't financially do that so if you take care of me I'm going to do my best to not take only back it but yeah. I'm going to try to back it I'm going to try to tell others about it so just like you said with Ron Randall he's currently got a new Trekker book up and yeah, I'm backing it and I'm, one. Yeah. I'm retweeting his tweets trying to get eyes on the project because I know as a small press guy. It's a struggle. So, yeah. you know, and you never know when somebody's going to see that tweet because I've, I've gotten to where I will pull up, you know, a lot of the people I follow individually and find lots of tweets that I missed that didn't show up in my regular feed. So I'll look back. I might like like something you tweeted five days ago because I've checked back and gone, huh, I never saw that. That's a good idea. I like that one. Yeah. So what else you got tonight? Well, speaking of Ron Randall, I've got The Warlord, number 110 from October 1986, written by Mike Fleischer and art by Ron Randall. It's got a real cool Mike Grell cover. And reading that, I was reading this when my wife walked in, and it really struck me when she made some comment about how nobody has clothes in this book. <laughs> 
Warlord has this nice fancy helmet, but he's wearing like a thong. <laughs> and he's, he's got a pistol on one hip and a big knife on the other. And how is he keeping that thong up? Because you'd think those things would drag it down to his knees. There's those little uh, string straps on the side. <laughs> <laughs> they, they apparently w- work really well because you don't see any Warlord action down below. That's but, right. Uh, but you, 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 he never draws Warlord like from the ground up. <laughs> but but I but I, I I don't think they're like I think they're dangling, my friend. Well, it, it is a Comics Code <laughs> Authority approved book, so there's, you know, you got to be careful about what angle you take on some of these outfits. Yeah. He's he's but, covered, but if you like, if you like fell down and were between his legs, I think you yeah, can see you don't want him standing <laughs> over you. <laughs> Especially in a hot, sweaty jungle. Yeah, that's right. But uh, we we open up, and the first inside cover is Superman flying out of a school, and it says, Summer's here, and the time is right for DC Comics. I thought you were going to say for Dancing in the Streets. Well, see, Superman tricks you. (laughs) He takes this popular song and changes it up for a house ad. That's right. He says, we've got all the action this summer with hot titles like New Teen Titans, Ambush Bug, Hawkman, Booster Gold, Swamp Thing. We're sure to have the perfect comic for you. So come join the fun now. Subscriptions are $9 for 12 issues. And it just warms my heart because they still have things like G.I. Combat and Sergeant Rock. They've got Hex and not Jonah Hex. But, you know, I still liked that series. It just wasn't as good as the Western. Yeah, just projecting him into the future in like a Mad Max world. And I did like I did like when he teamed up with Stiletto. She was nice. But uh, we open up with Warlord hacking through the jungle in his little... I wouldn't even call it a mankini because it's not... <laughs> it's, <laughs> I've seen mankinis cover more than this thing. This is just a, a skull speedo. And uh, we've got Morgan and... Ha- I would imagine that it has to be really strong string, though, because... He he has a holster he has to hold up, plus the the thing that holds the sword. Well, I know if I'm wearing pants that don't fit right, and I stick my phone down in my pocket, just my phone will wear my pants down. So how yeah, he's wearing this little him. yeah, how he's wearing just this little strip of cloth with a holster on one side and a sword and knife on the other, and everything staying up where it's supposed to be. That is some comic book magic right there. <laughs> but Morgan and Shakira are searching for a cure for Jennifer. Oh, I love Shakira. Oof. Yeah, she's she's the one my wife walked in and, and wasn't sure if this fur bikini bottom was a bikini bottom. She thought I was reading like an adult comic. Like, she's oh, that's the one a... that can turn into a cat, right? She does, and she does yeah. in this issue to help Morgan in a, in a fight. Yeah. So, uh. Morgan and Shakira are searching for a cure for Jennifer, and I don't remember who Jennifer is. This is the first. Not the, it's not the Shakira that performed during the halftime at the. Super no, Bowl. I actually like this Shakira better. <laughs> yeah. Nothing against the hips don't lie, girl, but yeah, <laughs> I like I like Ron Randall's Shakira in this one much better. But there's there's certain. Do you remember who Jennifer was? Um. Yes, she was. Uh, wasn't she the daughter of Travis? She may have been. I, I mean, I, I, I knew. She had blonde hair, right? 
I don't know. They don't show her in this issue, but the, this this issue is all about Shakira and and the warlord searching for a cure for Jennifer. If I they, if I if I remember correctly, and the, the, I could be off, but Jennifer. I mean, there was the Russian woman with the red thing around her eye, but um, the, I think Jennifer was his actual daughter that was a sorceress. I think. Okay. That sounds right. I, it's been a long time since I've read a Warlord issue, but I, I came across this one and I said this is perfect. So they they're they're hacking through the jungle on their quest to find this cure for Jennifer. They're they're trying to get to a, like a witch doctor to see if he knows of a cure, and they come across this scantily clad blonde being attacked by the crocodile people. And the blonde looks an awful lot like the blonde from Ron Randall's conqueror on barren on on the barren earth but uh it's apparently a different girl but they save her from the crocodile people who and she tells them this story that she was flying from this floating island above scartaris where she her flight belt messed up and the crocodile people just attacked her and they need her help to she's collecting ingredients for a, a potion that the healer said would help save her dying father and they tell her at first that they don't have time to help her that they're on their own quest to save this other girl and she says well i tell you what if you'll help me and prioritize helping me when we get back to my place i'll give you some flight belts and that'll save you a lot of time than ha- hacking through the jungle on foot so they decide that they will help this girl whose name is asmara and try to help her with her quest and then get the flight belts. And we get to a man of steel house ad, which I think is just at this point, it's kind of historical because it introduces the relaunch of Superman with, with John Byrne inked by Dick Giordano. It was a six issue series coming to you every two weeks from DC. I remember it being a big deal. I did not remember it coming out every two weeks. But that was the first time I ever read Superman regularly was when John Byrne took it over. Yeah. That was an exciting time. It was. And and at that point... But that's because it was right after Crisis, man. All the rules had changed. Yeah, it did. And Every, I, everything the, the, was the different. The thing that was cool is it was... Uh, I think we were at the right age to accept it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it, I think it was probably aimed right at us i, I yeah. bet i bet a lot of long people our age now were like we're why are they changing this yeah why are they this changing this i want my multi-earths why do i only have one <laughs> <laughs> bring back my multiple planets you bastards yeah so morgan begins collecting the ingredients for asmara and it's complicated because every ingredient he goes to get there's some kind of danger he goes in to get something and he gets attacked by some bear creature, goes to get some flower that he needs for the potion, and he gets attacked by a giant insect. And that's where Shakira transforms into the cat to try to help him fight the insect. And they're, they've got everything they need, and there's these things that look like pterodactyls swarm down on them. And the warlord calls them pterosaurs. He's, he's getting ready to start hacking into them with a sword, and the girl says, "No, no, no, no! These are sent from my plant or my 
it's not a planet, but a floating island above the surface. They, they've been sent to retrieve me. You know, don't hurt them. We'll, we'll climb aboard and we'll fly back up and then I'll get you your flight belts. Well, they get back up to her place and she's greeted by her father who's not sick at all and says, hey, you're the first one back. You win. Let's see if you've got everything. And she's got a crocodile egg from the crocodile people and all these things that Morgan has now collected for her. And he's like, wait a minute, what is this? Some kind of game? I don't play games. So you said your father was dying. He's like, oh, screw this. Give me my flight belts. And the father says, oh, no, buddy, you're not getting your flight belts because you might go back to the surface and tell them what we're doing. We're going to have to have you executed, which is not a good idea to tell the warlord that. So he, he busts off and, and destroys their anti-grav regulator, causing the city to sink down to the surface. When, and it, as it's sinking down, you see the crocodile men gathering. And the warlord says, be sure to tell, um, what's your name, to give the crocodile men their egg back right away. <laughs> which is, I think is just a perfect ending for it as he as he takes his stolen flight belt and flies away <laughs> it was just a good reminder of why i love warlord it's great art by ron randall an interesting fun story by michael fleischer it was a nice turn of events of morgan getting betrayed by a girl he trusted and then turning the tables back on her and ruining her whole floating island so uh Another recommended read by the staff of Fort Spencer. <laughs> the sexiest women in comics, too, at, for Sword and Sorcery. Yes. Yeah, Ron Randall is, uh, in his current Kickstarter, you can get a watercolor commission. And I would love to get a Warlord piece with some of these female characters from him. But it's just yeah. not in the budget right now. Well, I have my grill ones of uh, Mariah... And Shakira. Oh, and, nice. And Warlord. Because those are the women that really stood out to me. But Jennifer is his daughter. I looked it up while you were talking. Okay, good. Yeah. She came around much lot later in in the comic book. Do you remember, did he have her on this Scarterus? Or I, I don't she... remember. I just remember, I remember her being there and her being a magic wielder. Like okay. she, she was a sorceress. But uh, a lot, of, I, a lot I, of the I love Warlord. Stuff I read Warlord out of order. Cool. Yeah, same here. I had, I I read uh, a lot of. I think I. Let's see. I think I started reading Warlord in 1987, around the same time of Crisis. So that would and, have been towards. Towards the end of World yeah, War very then. much towards the end. A matter of fact, it's around the Ron Randall era, and then I, I think when I think I, I read it and I became like highly addicted, and um, I went back and I bought all the other stuff because I bought it really early because I was like, man, this this world is awesome. It was like my Conan because. Conan wasn't as big to me as the Warlord. He was my sword. Warlord was my sword and sorcery uh, vice. Like Same was, for me. It was it was what. That's how I got into the genre. I mean, I I poked around in Stalker and uh, uh what was it? Beowulf with the the demon hand. Right. Um, 
Conan, but Warlord was the one that like drew me in and like that was the one I had to get the back issues of. That, so, it's yeah. the same for me. He I don't know why, maybe because he was from current times and then was transported to this different world. I don't I don't I don't know what clicked with me about it, but it I didn't I didn't care about Conan and these other sword and sorcery books, but I was a fan of Warlord from the first issue I got. Yeah. And it wasn't until later that I grew to appreciate Conan and, and Korak and all these other um adventure titles like that. But Warlord was right from the get go. I was like, Oh, this is pretty cool. Yeah. And and I think he started in first issue special. Yes. So um, just some keys. Uh, number two is the first appearance of Machiste. Uh, the other, the other, a lot of the characters appeared in that first issue special. Um, Warlord had a son named Joshua. His first appearance was uh, Warlord fifteen. Uh, Shakira's first appearance was thirty-two. The OMAC backup started up in issue forty-two. And ran to 46, and I'm I'm an OMAC fan, so those were a big deal to me. The that first was, appearance uh, of Arian, a uh, Lord of Atlantis, if you followed that, was 55. Uh, the first appearance of Conqueror of Varanurus, you just mentioned that, uh, Ron Randall, um, that was in issue 63. Well, I uh, sure thought this this issue was a crossover when I first started reading it because this blonde character in this is she is the spitting image now she's got a different costume but it's the spitting image of what i remember the the conqueror of the barren earth to look like right um issues 114 and 115 if you were into that dc legends series that was kind of a big deal that they were tie-ins to that um that popular miniseries uh, 131, this is an important issue if you're a Rob Liefeld fan. It's his first work at DC. And, and the interesting thing is uh, McFarlane's first work at DC is a pinup in Arak, Son of Thunder. So interesting. They both Rob, started in the sword and sorcery it, stuff. Yeah, that's where... Well, Rob actually had work like comic sequential art in 131, uh, Todd McFarlane's first piece was a, a pinup in Arak Son of Thunder. It's a nice pinup too. I, I bought it fairly recently because I went on this uh, got to have everything from the first image creators uh, rabbit hole. <laughs> that can be a tough <laughs> a tough rabbit hole to go down. Yeah. What was that issue? Um, it's uh, 45 of Arak. It's uh, he did a uh, pinup of Velada. So um, that's a good issue to have if you're a McFarlane fan. I I'm close to having a complete run of Warlord. I haven't. I need to get them all into one box and see see how close I am. But I I know that I'm I'm close now. I bought our buddy old school Ross scored me some a couple years ago, and it should have me right right at the finish line if I didn't cross it. Do you have the first issue special? I do. Yeah. I bought that one back in the 90s. I did mail order auctions 
and I ended up doing a lot of business with a company named James J. Reeves. Ah. And I, 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 he had a copy, it seemed like, every month. And I bid, and I bid, and I bid, and I never won, and I never won, and I never won. And finally, after about the sixth copy, I finally won one. I was like, I guess everybody else got theirs, and now it's my turn. Must have been popular, though, because it was... It had a good run. I mean, it was like 133 issues or so in like six annuals. Well, it was uh, a big deal. And, and you know, just like we saw earlier, the Remco put out a toy line of it. So Yeah. And back then, that was, that was huge, especially for something that wasn't, you know, Superman or Spider-Man related. Yeah. He had, he had a miniseries, too. Um, that miniseries was in uh, 1992, and that was uh, Mike Grell with a different artist called Damian Wilch, even though Mike Grell did the covers. And then I know Bruce uh, Jones had a ish controversial run. Um, which I, which I read, I, I have all of the warlord stuff just because I have to, he's just a great character. He really is. Cause they had the Bruce Joe Jones run. They had the, the, he was with Bart Sears. So it kind of, Bart Sears has that like overly muscular type characters that ran in 2006. And then, and, uh, 2009 he had another series that was Mike Grell and uh, Joe Prado with uh, Mike Grell did some of the Amanda Connor did some work on issue one so if you're an Amanda Connor fan or Chad Harden which is even more interesting because he became one of the big artists on Harley Quinn I like both of those I've been a fan of Amanda Connor she did a, a, a mini series for well, I don't know if it was supposed to be a mini series. It ended up being like four issues, based on a Nintendo game, uh, Adventures of Bayou Billy. She did it for Archie Comics. <laughs> yeah, that was and a like big the early, deal. like late eighties, early nineties. And I, I, I was a big fan of that game. Yeah. And I was excited for the comic, and then I don't think I knew who Amanda was at the time, but I was like, I like her art, so I follow, I've pretty much followed her around since then. I've been trying to track down her work on gargoyles from the animated series those are tough to find yeah they are i mean you can find them but they're not cheap no yeah yeah i should say tough to find cheap (laughs) yeah tough to find for a couple bucks you know under 10 so uh my last pick is uh tarzan uh the joe kubert I was hoping you were going to do those. You tweeted out a picture of some of the covers. I was like, oh, I think he's reading Tarzan. Yeah, this is uh, one of my adopted characters. I For 2020, I picked uh, Silver Surfer and Tarzan. And my goal is between the two of them, I want to hit 100 issues at the end of the year. And so far, I'm at 30. Uh, most of them are Silver Surfer. But I got like four issues of Tarzan read today. Um, it, it it is the standard origin story initially here. Um, it's it's him getting placed on this island or this area here as they get docked, and his family, his mother and father, 
sort of ha birth him and they can't live in the jungle an ape basically attacks and kills the father and the mother dies and there's a female ape that sort of raises him and the whole time he's having to the, the mother has to protect him because the other apes are like what is this hairless ape that's with us all the time <laughs> and uh the way this group of apes they challenge each other almost like there's always a different leader and there there's all there's the the guy who killed his father there there's several other apes that tarzan had to uh fight luckily he he didn't have the teeth that the the apes had but he had he had found a, a blade, a, a knife, which he called his own fang, you know, because the monkeys had these huge fangs, these gorillas. And uh, that sort of helped him keep alive. But it, it's it's interesting because how closely the, the tale of Tarzan, you know, follows. This scene is the way uh, Kubert told the story, he told it through the eyes of... Uh, a guide like a jungle guide he's taking this woman through the jungle and she's trying to find her father and he's telling her the story of lord greystoke basically and uh she eventually runs into him after like four issues but that's what the origin story is and it shows how one of the lead apes um tries to attack his mom at one time and he has to protect her he has to kill like four apes to even stay in the 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 group of apes and uh later on the the part that's interesting because they show this in the movie i think it's the latest movie that the tarzan with the the one character that was in true blood i can't remember the actor's name but um there there was a tribe there and this guy had a son and he was teaching him how to hunt and he went out hunting and he shot Tarzan's mom and Tarzan then found out and had revenge and and killed that guy's son so now the tribe has like this they want revenge on Tarzan because they lost one of their own and uh tarzan lost his mom but he learns very early on that he's not an ape he goes back to the the fort that his father built and he tries to teach himself to read because a lot of the 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 books and stuff have pictures and he's able to teach himself like man like he knows he knows that he's a man and not an ape right and and later on when jane comes I can't remember the one guy she comes with, but he, he sort of saves that guy's life. And that guy turns into a real asshole because he wants to marry Jane and he sort of betrays Tarzan, even though Tarzan saved his life. And then there's the French captain who they thought was dead, but Tarzan saved him. And um, that French uh, sailor captain taught him how to read in French, how to speak he taught him what those fingerprint things were in the diary, and that's how they track it down that he's Lord Greystoke, is through the fingerprints. Um, but but at the point that I'm reading, they just identified the fingerprints, and he said, let's do some investigation. He doesn't know he's Lord Greystoke yet. 
even though he's gone to see Jane, uh, he fell in love with Jane as he protected her. He finally knew that it's weird too, because initially he was in love with another ape and he couldn't figure out like he was trying to think to himself why she was always going with this other ape because she would be eyeing him like she wanted to mate with him. (laughs) And, uh, he fell in love with an ape because he thought he was an ape at the time. But, uh, she rejected him and went off with this enemy of his who he eventually had to kill. So, yeah, he's killed a lot of his own, but it's mostly because he's been, his life has been threatened. Um, and I, and I guess in the wild too, you're always, you know, to be the leader of a group of apes, you have to prove that you're the leader and you're going to get challenged all the time. Right. Just like the, the pride and lions and stuff, you're, you're going to get, challenged um to be the alpha well even even i've always grown up having a lot of cats even if you have a couple of tomcats they're gonna fight to decide who's top cat right who's the alpha in the whole system but the art is amazing you know joe kubert obviously has a a huge passion for the character and it's a pulp character so i decided to stick with the jungle theme this time and uh go with jungle cat girl and uh tarzan have you read a lot of other tarzan stuff some of the marvel do you remember malibu i do did did the thing around the same the the ultraverse um came out malibu was publishing quite a few minis uh of uh tarzan at the time Tarzan has had stints at Dark Horse, um, Marvel Comics. Well, my follow-up question then would be, where do you rank this this DC series with the other stuff you've read? To me, the the DC thing is is the Tarzan that it's it's the series. If you're going to read Tarzan, you have to read the DC Tarzan. <clears throat> That's how I feel. Although That's the, how I feel. Yeah. They're like um, Dynamite has done some good stuff, but they don't use the word Tarzan. They use Lord of the Jungle, even though we know it's Tarzan. Right. Uh, for some copyright type law, and uh, the Malibu ones were were some good stuff. I even, I even think there was like a Tarzan Predator crossover at, at some point. Yes, yes, I think I think you're right. There was something. Yeah, it's Tarzan say versus it was, it was Predator. Like, like at the Earth's Dark Horse core. and Malibu crossover, maybe or, or. Yeah, it was Dark Horse. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, there's there's a lot the of Malibu comics. There's a lot the of stuff. I I have a few Gold Key too. Um, I'm gonna read one of them as part of this because I have it on my uh, little coffee table to read. <clears throat> Well, I enjoy I'd those, like to read but... some Korak too. Try some of that. The son of Tarzan. Matter of fact, uh, I was on Twitter the other day, and uh, I don't know if you follow those like Mego dolls that they come out with. Uh, I can't remember the toy company that puts them out, but I, I have think like it's... this. Is it the Figures Toy Company? I think. Yeah. And... Yeah. They have a four-piece set. It's so tempting. It's a hundred dollars. 
but it has Tarzan, Jane, Korak, and his girlfriend or oh, wife. Oh wow! And uh, I was like, wow, this this is a set that I'd love to have because to me, when I was searching for Mego in those Heroes World catalogs, I circled Tarzan. I just never got him. So Tarzan had a Mego figure back in the 70s. Um, I never was able to get him, but because uh, they had a Tarzan and a Conan, and I remember Conan's shorts were just like these hairy things, <laughs> and he had a battle axe. <laughs> but yeah, those those Migos are are sharp, man. I mean, they have a Scooby Doo one now, and dang, if they had a Daphne, I would try to get all of them. They put out some cool looking figures. I follow them and, and I've tried to cut back on everything else and just focus on comics. But yeah, every same, now and then here. every now and then I have to spurge because some of those things are just too cool. They're they're and so they, cool, but they're twenty five bucks a piece usually. Right. I don't think I've bought I think the last Mego I bought was when they first started coming into Target and they had an oversized Wonder Woman, and I bought that one, and that's the I, only I bought, recent. I bought a Mego. few of them, but they were all Star Trek, and I bought Jimi Hendrix, and some of the Universal monsters, because I I wanted those, and those well, were I, easy. Th- those are cheaper at Target than they are if you buy it from that Figures World or whatever it is. <clears throat> well, I've been tempted by every one I saw because it just brings back that wave of nostalgia because these were such a big deal. As a kid, to see Amigo on the toy shelf, yeah, and I, I still, it, you see it on hanging on that hook, and you're like, oh, I want it. I'm a, I'm a, you know, six year old kid wanting this toy again. But I, I, the Wonder Woman is the only one I've bought recently, and before that, I think you like the character Captain Canuck. Um, he he had one, and I bought it through the through the company. Comley comics yeah. I'm probably butchering his name but uh yeah. Richard Comley and I bought one signed by him through the company I was like well where else am I going to get that Yeah Captain Can- they they have some real obscure stuff like I'm amazed they have one of one of the ads that really had my attention was the Fawcett line they had the Captain Marvel family and they had like a Billy Batson they had a Dr. Savannah uh Mary Marvel, Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel Jr. And then they had like different incarnations of Captain Marvel like through the years. They had like the 40s version, you know, the 70s version and the current version. I was like, man, this thing looks awesome. <laughs> yeah, they, they oh, I wish I had more money and more space. Yeah, yeah, same here. Do you have any others you want to cover? Well, I, I did some others, but I don't I don't want to just take over everything and make you run till midnight. Well, you can but, do the lightning round. Tell us what what uh, floated your boat. All right. Well, I did a a Sergeant Rock number four o two cover dated July nineteen eighty five, and it's an issue that recovers Wild Man's origin, and I'm a big fan of Wild Man, and. Y- you may already know this. I didn't remember it, but he's from Durango, Colorado. 
<laughs> I didn't know that. I knew you loved your Dodge Durango, and you're yeah, from Colorado. That's so. right. But uh, one of Wild Man was a former teacher, and one of his students has enlisted at the age of 17 and come to join Easy Company on the front lines. And Wild Man is upset because he wants his student to be in school, not watching people die. So he takes him under his wing, and he tries to also continue his education while he's with him. It reminds him of historic battles, including the 300 from Sparta. And Wild Man is paralyzed somehow. And Rock asks the doctor, what's the deal? He acts like somebody just flipped his switch and he just isn't there anymore. And he says that something has happened and he may be like this the rest of his life or somebody may flip the switch and he comes out of it. No one can tell. Well, they're telling the story about why he's getting this medal now. And the student has told him that Wild Man shot a bazooka at a tank, stopped a tank, jumped in this burning tank, manned the machine gun, and flattened the infantry that was advancing behind him to save Easy Company. Well, when they go to pin the medal on Wild Man, they poke him with the medal, and he comes out of it and says, this isn't for me, this is for my student. And he says that it turns out the student did all of this and gave Wild Man the credit. Wow. And, uh, yeah, that's a great cover. It says they're giving me a medal I don't deserve. It, it's a very fun issue. A lot of these issues at the end of the run, I never read. I saved them. I knew the end of Rock was near, and I always wanted to have a few where I could always say, well, I hadn't read that one. I can read that one on a bad day. And I've always saved them. And lately I've decided... You know, who who knows how many days you have left? Let's read as much yeah, Sergeant Rock as, as much you can. As you can. That's right. And it's pretty neat to me because there's a letter from Stephen Scott Bo Smith, who you may know as the creator of Winona Earp now. Yeah. And he was he was running the Sergeant Rock fan club. So I sent him a, a tweet today saying, you know, I, I still want to join your fan club. <laughs> and the, so, you know, this is from 1985 but it doesn't say there's an expiration date so it should still be valid yeah did he answer you yet he hasn't answered me yet this was <laughs> earlier tonight so bo smith i'm waiting for your answer please let me into the sergeant rock fan club <laughs> there's a cool backup with bob kanniger's gallery of war it's called horseless it's about some union soldiers wiping out an indian tribe um and one Indian survives and tracks the soldiers back. They're in, caught in a snowstorm, and they're set up camp. And the Indian steals their horses and runs off into the mountains. And they say, well, we'll be the laughingstock of the fort if we come walking back saying an Indian stole our horses. Let's go get him. And they follow him into the mountains. And the Indian has gotten to the high ground, and they say, well, we can't, we can't get up there. We'll just wait him out down here. We'll just camp together. Well, the Indian ends up skinning one of the horses, basically doing a Luke inside a Tauntaun deal, and he survives the snowstorm, and the next morning he just walks down from the mountains past the frozen Union soldiers who didn't have any cover or any horses. And it's kind of a dark tale, but it's very, very cool how these soldiers, you know, he got his revenge on these people who wiped out his tribe. There's a very cool two-page battle album, which I assume was done by one of the Kubert School art students, and I asked Ron Randall on Twitter if he knew who drew it, 
because I don't see any credits on it, but he he wasn't sure. It was somebody who came after him. There's a one-page rank-and-file comedy bit signed by Vincent with a soldier in the mess hall, and everything is just sound effects. He's marching to the mess hall, clop, clop, clop. The cook starts putting stuff on his plate, saying, boip, splat, clunk, slop, glop. And the soldier <laughs> looks at his finished plate and throws it in the trash, and it says, splub. And the back cover is a very cool superpowers collection ad for Kenner action figures. And good Lord, I wish I had all of these. I think I had one figure from the superpowers line. And I wish I had them all now. I think I have a lot of them. I, I'm missing the really obscure ones like Cyborg and Mr. Miracle. Evan Dorkin was auctioning some of the obscure ones recently. And I I was like, oh, yeah, man, there's There's that. some really obscure ones like the Golden Glider. I have uh, some of – I have that uh, Tornado guy, Samurai. Right. Um, he comes with a sword – like a lightning sword. Um, I have Red Tornado. Like, I, I have a good portion of them. If you named them off, I, could, I probably would have them. Well, this ad shows Superman punching Lex Luthor and shows Hawkman, the Penguin, Superman, Lex Luthor, the Joker, Wonder Woman, Batman, Aquaman, Robin, Green Lantern, Brainiac, and the Flash. And I think the Flash was the only figure I had. I had all of them except for Brainiac that you mentioned. Wow. Yeah. It even had Orion, and his face changed. Like, his face would be like that. Do you remember the He-Man one that would flip the yes. face? Yeah. Yeah, that was one of them that Evan was auctioning off. And I I, yeah, I put it on my Orion. watch list. But bidding went, I, I want to say it was like $85 or something. And I was like, I That's still I a can't. good price. Um, well, it may, it may have ended higher than that. I just remember looking at it on my watch list going, yeah, I'm not going to be able to bid my, on that. out of my realm, yeah. The one that I would really like my my uh, one I would love to have is Mr. Miracle. That was that would be the the prime the prime piece that I want. My I do have a Firestorm though. That's cool as hell. They all look so cool now. At the yeah. time, they were way like they now, were way, they were way way better than the Secret Wars ones. They were. The, they at least bended at the joints. The Secret War ones were just. The, the whole leg was one piece. The yeah, foots were connected. A... You couldn't bend the foot. I mean, and and the superpowers always had something like push the legs together um, or push the arms together and it'll spin. Like you could make Red Tornado spin. And, and same yeah. thing with Samurai. The Flash, you would push his arms together and his legs would run. Yeah, looking at this, it looks like if you squeeze Superman's legs, he punches. Yeah. So, yeah, that would have been, it was a nice nice action touch, especially since most of the time at this point I would have been buying just G.I. Joe and He-Man mostly. Yeah, I didn't have, I wasn't into the G.I. Joes once they switched. My, my G.I. Joe was the bearded guy. Well, see, I started with those, but I followed him along to the, three and three quarter inch action figure line. Yeah. I wanted every figure I could get a hold of. And I wanted multiples of like the Cobra troopers and things like that. So I could have a, a full scale battle. Yeah. I was getting out of toys around that time. 
I, well, see, I, you've got a couple years on me, so I was still prime into let's see, yeah, eighty five. It, it real, it real Transformers, GI Joe, and He Man missed me by about two years. I, I if it had hit me two out two years earlier, I probably would have had a lot of the line, you know. It just kind of when I was getting out of toys. I can remember, I was. I want to say it was third grade. I don't remember for sure. I just remember a girl complaining in my class that her younger brother kept screaming, I have the power from his that stupid cartoon. Yeah. I was like, is it on? Is it on? Has it started? <laughs> I, remember, I remember just seeing like the, the teaser commercials saying Masters of the Universe is coming. Mm-hmm. And apparently he was getting it from the teaser commercials, and I was panicking that I had missed the start of the cartoon. It's cartoon. <laughs> so I, I made myself look like a dork in front of this girl that I liked in third grade, because you want to say, oh, I don't care about that stuff. And instead I was like, is it on? What time is it on? What channel is it? I need to know these things. <laughs> That's funny. Do you have any anything else you want to bring up, or are you done? Well, I would like to ask anybody who listens to us to please pre-order the DC War collection that we discussed at the start of the podcast, because we want to see more of this. And the War Giants. Yes. And I would like to see more people buying these 100-page DC Giants from the, you know, that were Walmart exclusives but are now available in the comic shops. That seems like the best deal going in comics, and they, nobody seems to care. Yeah, it's baffling to me. Well, the four ninety nine for a hundred pages is ridiculous. Like in terms of value, it's going to take you a whole hour or so to read it. Right, it's, it's a lot of material. I, I don't understand why more people aren't snapping that up. Yep, I agree. They're one of my favorite reads because of the just. I like I like the retro feel of it having some new material and then having some old material. I just right. love I love it's, that. It's a nice balance. Yeah. And uh thank you for our question. I think that was a lot of fun. It was. Um, that was from uh Chris Pfeiffer. Thank you at Cheese Cowboy. And let us know if we got it right on your Brave and the Bold, because we weren't sure what you meant by that. But hopefully we answered the questions about the weird titles. Yeah. And you can reach Kirk at Big Five Army on the Twitter machine. He is a Kmart man living in an Amazon (laughs) world. That's me. (laughs) And he's the father of two human torpedoes. (laughs) <laughs> they are they are human engines of destruction. <laughs> and you can reach me at Mike Myers Brunch. This is the DC Everything Else podcast. Um, I was glad we were able to get together. That that th- having four people is convenient because when some of us can't make it, maybe two of us can, or or three of us can, or sometimes four of us can. <laughs> Well, the so, more the merrier, but yeah, the it's more always the fun merrier. to talk comics with your friends. That's right. And uh, we're also on Facebook under uh, DC Noise Podcast. The website is dcnoisepodcast.com. 
And you can get a hold of us the best way at Twitter. Um, what is, Iowa Joe, at Iowa Joe, and at um, Rob Krieger. Sounds like Seeger, but not spelled like Seeger. So uh, I think that's it. I think we could say goodbye and uh, get ready for the work week. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Yep. I'll talk to you later. Have a good week, uh, Kirk. You too, Mike. This was fun, as usual. Always. Take care, my buddy. Take care. Bye. Bye.